I mean, you could have been an entrepreneur, but just one that doesn't make money. You just build things. Create um... <laughs> 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 bottles, they could play the little bottle trumpet as well. <laughs> bottle trumpet! <laughs> That's not what it's called, man. So the like, portal trumpet. Hand pipe sort of style, you mean. <laughs> it doesn't quite work the same. Right. Hello and welcome to Four Points In. This is episode two. My name's Tom Robertshaw. This is a podcast that I've started with Nick Jones and Red Davis. Nick and I started MeanBee, an e-commerce development agency, and Red is a freelance iOS developer. We started this podcast because we like meeting up in the pub at the end of the week, talking about what's been in the news, what's been happening in the world of technology, in politics, uh, talking about philosophy, all, all good pub conversations. So we thought we'd have a, have a recording of it. In this episode, we talk about Track SSL, which is Nick's product for tracking SSL certificate expiries. We talk about Destiny, the, the Xbox, PlayStation and PC game, and our experiences with that. And for the largest portion, we talk about virtual assistants, as Red is experimenting with a virtual assistant to support his, his freelance business. So all very interesting stuff. Um, and with that said, let's dive right into episode two. Hello and welcome to the Four Points In podcast, where three guys talk about stuff uh, that we would talk about in the pub. Talk about tech, talk about politics, and whatever we've been up to this week. My name is Tom Robertshaw, and I'm e-commerce uh, agency founder uh, of MeanBee. My name is Nick. I founded MeanBee with Tom. I'm CTO there, uh, and I build web apps in my spare time. And my name is Red, and I'm a freelance iOS developer. Sweet. What have we been up to this week? Uh, fuck, that, uh, that question caught me in my surprise there, Tom. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I didn't, didn't know what you well, like I have, I have shipped more features on trackssl.com. Sweet. Which is a, uh, what, what does trackssl do? Trackssl uh, tracks SSL certificates. More specifically, it makes sure that your SSL sets don't expire on your domains. Which is a big deal for us in e-commerce. Uh, yes, it is. HTTPS is everywhere, um, and yeah, you don't want to be caught with your pants down and the, the little red bar on the browser for everyone and lose consumer trust. Uh, so yeah, that was the motivation behind building it. Um, since the start, it's just kind of been hard-coded to send emails on 60, 30, 14, 7, 3 in one days. Um, but a common request from the now 500 users oh, nice. uh, is... Um, 500 not paying users. Is to limit like a 60 day and 30 day and just make it tailored towards what they need to do. Yeah. Some people make it actionable. Yeah. Some people just renew. Let's encrypt certs on like 14 days out or something. So 16, 30 useless. It's almost like the tracker. So is more useful now that people aren't getting a certificate through an authority that was already. You know, not necessarily great at reminding you because they reminded you too far out, but yeah. let's in, encrypt that it has an automatic renewal, but it could not, not automatically renew for some yeah. reason because you haven't c- configured it properly. Right. Like that's what I did. Okay. So trackers as well is very useful uh, at that point. Uh, but even, even when there were big CEOs issuing, so it's like Heroku was a git.heroku.com, which is the remote that everyone pushes to to publish their after Heroku. Yeah. That, that expired. Oh yeah, much to their embarrassment. <laughs> Um, but that was a case of like, I, I think it was a case of um, the guy who set it up had left or something. Right. Um, but yeah, he set all the calendar reminders you want. <laughs> like, it, it might be missed still. Yeah, and I think one of the advantages of using an external service is that anybody can set it up. Whereas, yeah. you know, it, like you say, if if the person that bought the SSL certificate isn't there, then 
they're the ones getting the emails whereas mm-hmm. this is something that you can create your team for and there's always it can go to a mailing list or go to a f- number of members of the team so that there's always a Slack group Slack group yeah because everyone needs another notification yeah, yeah do right do. there and then this needs another to be another important notification though. important notification yeah. Yeah. yeah would that happen to be a feature that track SSL supports uh, it is yeah <laughs> <laughs> sounds like this podcast is sponsored by track SSL doesn't it <laughs> so, well, this week I also want billing on uh, track SSL <laughs> oh. And what, do, what do people have to pay for in track SSL? Um, it's, it's actually quite tough because I don't, I'm thinking how to phrase this, I don't see it as something very valuable, which is a strange thing to say. Yeah. But I mean valuable in terms of things to pay for, something, something to pay for. The same way as I don't really find Pingdom or something that valuable to pay for. But you only yeah. start appreciating it when appreciating it when something goes wrong. Yeah, you've got a, you've got a weird dichotomy there where the more people that use track SSL and they pay for it, the like less they'll experience the pain of what happens when they don't renew. You kind of yeah. in order to make them love the product, you really need the, one of the two of them to forget. At some yeah, point. and going back to the less encrypt stuff, people don't used to run into this problem once a year, which might have been okay for an IT department to yeah. forget for a couple of hours and then renew. But renew every thirty days, then it's a um, yeah. Hope they run into the problem more often. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was it was quite difficult to work out what to implement. Uh, how to implement building in terms of what to restrict and what to not restrict because I'm not really a fan of segregating things off for people that pay less. Like I just want people to pay their fair share in terms of mm-hmm. how much it costs the most. And it's probably the sort of thing that would work because you're actually getting companies on that and companies, the risk of not renewing is much more expensive to them. Um, having people that just do like a couple of domains be free, I don't know what the portion is of that 500 users, what you can kind of tell how many domains they're having, but if they're more likely to be a company, then a service that you kind of need to pay if you need more than 10 domains or something like that is, is reasonable. Yeah. For, for, and you could get you know, the, your money out of the, the biggest clients and then everyone else gets it free. I don't yeah, exactly. So the way I try to do it was I, I based pricing so that half, at least half the users would have free accounts anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, tw- uh, five domains for free, and then twenty domains for five dollars a month, which is yeah, nice. Coffee's on perfect. Yeah, and two hundred domains for four thirty dollars, which is only six users at the moment. One of those is me. <laughs> <laughs> a bargain. There you go. Yeah, yeah. For like agencies, it's worth it, isn't it? For like not being embarrassed or like just not having to deal with it. Like it's just another thing that you can put on your proposal or something as an agency like is one of the things you look at I guess yeah, yeah it's just like a, a comprehensive monitoring service like that includes yeah. SSL monitoring yeah yeah and yeah there's, there's conversations I've had very more with people as well about like the enterprise version and tracking behind the network and that becomes quite hard um, and people particularly don't want to install things behind the network and no. they still want the kind of monitoring which is impossible but yeah, is there much interesting you can do from actually reading the SSL certificates? So I assume like there's there's a bit more information you can glean from from that. Yeah, especially the more the more users you get. One easy way I can do is compare the host I'm monitoring to the CNAME on the cert, so I can tell them if there's a mismatch and if users would get a warning. Oh, well, that's nice. Um, but that's not implemented yet. But I'd like to do that. But again, that's not something I want to segregate between like. Because yeah. there's the, the service that does like, you know, the quality of your mm. SSL certificate and setup, like yeah. that sort of thing Good that gives monitoring that. over the time would be good on yeah. each on each certificate change. Apps, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to do that. 
the main problem is figuring out how to do that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But there's an uh, OWASP tool called SSL or something that um, gives you a breakdown, like the, the essentially scans the drives loads of ciphers against the HTTPS uh, port and sees what it accepts and what it doesn't, and then flags it. Like, yeah, so that's interesting because I guess I was thinking about when an SSL certificate changes, but I perhaps that would change just because the hosting configuration mm-hmm. had changed, in yeah. which case it's worth monitoring regularly even though you don't think your certificate has changed. Also, if nothing's changed, maybe a cipher is now considered weak, and so True. flag yeah. that up. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's definitely something I want to do. Yeah, that's good because yeah, well, as an agency, we like now and again when we see this, when people are having problems with their self certificate, we'll use that self test tool. But yeah. having one that's regularly monitoring, you got to, as always, the balance is not emailing every time there's something small, small wrong because people are, will then like yeah, never respond to any of them. But but yeah, there's plenty of opportunities for like new things there. Plus one, I agree. Yeah, hopefully everyone else thinks that too. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> what have you been up to this week, Tom? No, I've. Uh, since coming back from Chicago, I've kind of been playing a lot of Destiny more than side projects. Uh, I did a few few side projects, like more in terms of articles and blog posts writing while I was away. And still, I'm, I haven't picked like what my next project will be. There's a couple I'm thinking about, um, but no, D- Destiny is definitely. You know, I en- enjoy a bit of gaming on the evenings and weekends, and I probably spent 24 hours in in the course of a week or two <laughs> already on on Destiny 2, which has been yeah exciting, exciting. I know that that's something you're playing as well. Or how you thought of Destiny 2 compared to the first one? I like it a lot more. Yeah? Yeah. I think it's difficult to judge Destiny 2 against Destiny 1 because we're judging Destiny 2, a game that's been out for a month, against the game that's been out for three years. And had like multiple DLCs yeah. and fixed patches yeah. and things like that. Yeah. And yeah, having sunk a thousand hours into Destiny 1, I think I'm <laughs> well placed to, to judge Destiny 1 against 2. But yeah, I think it's a lot more fun. Lots of uproar in the community this week about like the whole end game thing and how the developers wanted to be less about the gear and the games are more about like the friendship and the stuff you do together, which I kind of get actually. Like, yeah, I don't much enjoy playing Destiny one or two on my own. Like it's much better playing with other people. Yeah, well, same. I, I did think that was an interesting discussion, and it is interesting when it comes to like balancing a game, making it something that's you know, there's millions of people playing this game, and plenty of them won't be playing with friends, and so they've done a, a, what looks on the surface to be a, a great thing when it comes to guided games and creating group events, but also making it easy to find like other people to play with, whether or not you kind of talk to them on chat or, or not. There's still you know you can you can coordinate and you can do a lot of coordination without actually you know verbally communicating with people and they do that with their emotes and things like that and you yeah it maybe seems silly but you do kind of you do help people and because you're you know, might be reviving someone from halfway around the real world that you only got their game tag but you still start to develop a connection because you're working together so i think that's a, a hard thing to get right but they've done they've done a lot lot with it and then yeah there's that challenge of yes making it generally easier to get to the end, end of the game and level up there's that's good for the majority and so we are definitely the minority when it comes to the amount of time we spend in it but you know even from our group of friends if you make that too easy and make there no reason like we enjoy playing games because it's you know it's a simplification of, of real life there's you know a set uh, story and challenges and it's reasonably easy to kind of work hard find something challenging and then get some reward and success out of it um, I don't think like spending time with like with friends or on the game is by itself enough to warrant 
playing that game forever. Uh, the same way, like, you know, Destiny 1 lasted for a few years because they kept re- re- releasing content, you'd have more stuff to do. And if they make the end game too easy, even if, like, maybe they, I'm not suggesting they change it because we are a min- minority, but those that play it regularly, if there's really, no, like, no reason to level up, like, like, that is still the reason people want to do it again is because there's still a chance of progressing and then sharing their progress with other people and, like, oh, we didn't get it this time, but we get it next time. Whereas if there's literally no reason, then, like, yeah, some parts of the game just won't be won't be fun yeah, anymore. Yeah, it seems weird they've gone away from the equipment stuff. Because, so I didn't play, but the equipment stuff seemed to be part of what made it addictive. Like, yeah. that was what you mostly talked about. That was mostly what you, you like, yeah, what, what, what your the aim was. You only ever did stuff just to get the, like, the treasure chest at the end. Like, yeah. the certain stuff in. And then that was random as well to, like, make it more, yeah. okay, we'll just do one more because we'll be able to get something. So to take it away from that, I wonder... If it's going to have, if it's going to be as long lasting as sort of the first yeah. one. That said, it that does kind of imply that they moved away from the psychological tricks of gambling and betting, which yes. is nice. Yes. That's <laughs> a good move. Yeah. But yeah, you definitely get hooked on that stuff. What I really like about Destiny 1 um, is, is how web developers kind of filled in the gaps with things that the game was lacking. So, yeah. like, um, before Xbox One had LFG stuff, which uh, looking for group stuff. Mm-hmm. So like if you if you want to run a raid, you need six people. <laughs> matchmaking sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So what you'll do is, or oh, what software devs did was like a guy or some people made a site called Low100.io where you log on, you post a game, people join the game, and then you send invites just before you start, and then mm-hmm. it's, it's all done. So I found that quite interesting. And as a software dev, you kind of want to make something, and then people find useful. Yeah, and same idea like with the competitive player of trials, which is like you know, the three on three and you know, more serious game mode. Like before, you'd always on Destiny One, you'd have to look up what kind of type of character your opposing team was, what what guns, what setup they're running, so you can tailor your game around it. Or and you would do that using a web app that someone had made. So you can look at the user and see what they were running last time. Yeah. Whereas now the loading screen it actually shows the other team what characters they are and what guns they're running. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously they can change, but you know that's one of definitely is another area like guided games that they've they've learned from what people did in the community. And I, there's always there's always two sides of that coin where people don't like the fact they they stolen it, but it, on the whole, you know, that is yeah. a better experience for for people. Um, they recognise what was needed and, and provided it. Yeah. Do they still have like? The API or whatever that people could build stuff. Yeah, probably yeah. some. There's the Destiny Item Manager, which allows you to kind of review your weapons and yeah. um, swap them out or move them between characters, which yeah. again is, is still useful. Um, and so that's something that I don't know that their main kind of app does as well. Uh, it does, but it's a lot weaker than stuff like Dim and Ishtar Commander for yeah. Iris, which is quite good. It reminds me like old school Twitter when people actually made stuff that was like useful for yeah. like Twitter and then before they cut off the they totally destroyed everything and uh, now nothing's ever made yeah so everything should be API first and let everyone hack together where they want and yeah see what happens the best stuff and do it off. yeah and then seal it there you go <laughs> As developer, uh, the worst twist all they've got is like, what should we do? We should uh, probably add 280 characters. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's play Tweety and then just destroy the API so no one can ever like, do anything good. It did make me think, talking about the 280 characters, it did make me think, 
how the platform has developed, particularly with the amount of people that are doing kind of threads now, and just like why that has developed over writing a medium article or writing a blog post on your own site. I mean, obviously, there's you might not have your own blog, and it still takes five yeah. minutes to set up your, your your first medium post. But it seems strange that people then still chose Twitter. But I think it's just because people don't have to click out. Like it's yeah. it's very quick to just publish, and you don't sometimes don't even know how many tweets in this thread you're going to post. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are kind of more of kind of I don't, know, I don't want to say rage tweeting, but certainly some of it some of it is more that style. Um, and it's because it can be consumed a lot, a lot better uh, than linking out to um, your kind of browser app. Yeah. More extreme of consciousness as well, don't we? Just like, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. whereas medium, you like write it, then you read it, then you send it to a friend to read it, then you post it. Yeah. Oh my goodness, my lucky charms didn't have enough marshmallows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a feature for them now to have like the whole set, like the number one, number two, number three? Like, no, 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 I don't think they've, no, no, they've done that. No, it's just, um, okay. just experimenting with the additional characters. Have you written a, uh, a 280 character I'm, I'm not. I'm not one of the privileged few, mate. Are you? I, I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> Red doesn't know enough words to fill out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I just tweeted your arm and said, I wondered if everyone was going to start writing tweets like um, they do in, uh, in LinkedIn. Yeah, LinkedIn has yeah, become a horrible place to be in terms of the status updates that people share. And yeah, people get bummed out about Twitter. Like, jeez, you're just open a LinkedIn page and you're just like... People all sharing their like, life stories now and the Patting like, themselves on the back. Right. Yeah. It's like, such a weird <laughs> idea. Whereas Facebook has turned into MySpace of like, just everything is adverts or pages posting stuff. Yeah. There's very few... I don't know if that's just because of the age of people that have kind of uh, grown up with Facebook and certainly like my age group yeah. where they post less and less and less and so you know, the, uh, the way that we use Facebook has changed so much of the years and, and now for the most part it's the way we use Facebook is to read it and not post to it um, but actually there's not much to read on it either so I went through another cull of those people that I just don't see very often so the you know, grandparents are gone yeah, I'm just kidding <laughs> 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 Why did you want to I just I just leave it now. It's like yeah, yeah, I log in if I go in and there's like thousands of like not thousands, but hundreds of notifications and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I did get very close to kind of deleting it entirely, but unfortunately I still use it for logging into a couple of places. That's and, exactly and why like I business still I still like need to be able to post now yeah. again. Yeah, that's the only reason I still have it. And also the only reason in the last episode you spoke about doing the host file stuff for Facebook. Yeah. And I did that, and then so I did that for Twitter as well. And certain uh, services which I log in with Twitter, log in with Facebook, and <laughs> yeah. it just doesn't work. So I was just like, oh, yeah, I've got to remove that because well, it's, it's, it's kind of useless. Yeah, yeah, maybe I should yeah, start. Well, Twitter, I'm gonna like log in with places because those places it's useful to give my Twitter information to them, although probably dangerous. Whereas Facebook's like it's more just laid out laziness, and yeah. so it should be migrating towards just using an email. Yeah, and like I find now with one password, it's like now the need for like single sign-on stuff like Facebook is a lot less because you just press a button. And yeah, I was looking at one password again recently and talking to Nick because I use what well, we use as a company. We use LastPass, and that's you know, right. Yeah, it's very good for what we needed to do, but the service itself and the apps like are pretty like, dodgy. It's, it's a on average for what we need to do. Yeah, it gets the job done. Um, yeah. Whereas, like for personal use, and I and I use LastPass for personal use right right now, but it's not very good when it comes to 
like yeah on on your phone all that logging in it's not very good for that kind of thing yeah password is the, the interface is much smoother so yeah still I mean I'm not I'm just generally not happy with the space right now because I have to even even if I use one password I'm still then going to kind of swap to authy because I've got two factor auth and everything it's just a like bit horrible right now. So you need to switch to Authy. I use Authy for storing oh, okay. my two-factor authentication codes. Yeah. Uh, so it's just a bit painful to log into anything uh, on, mm-hmm. on phone, which is undesirable. But for now, I'm just going to do the bias towards security until someone thinks up something something better. But everyone's yeah. trying to solve this. What well, yeah, it does do is great at like the two-factor stuff because I don't know when they released this feature, but now. If you go on the website, you see basically select a different password, fill in the username and password, but then it automatically copy the um, the two-factor auth token into your clipboard, so then you can just paste it in, and then it clears your clipboard. Like, and that was one password. Well, yeah. So one password has two-factor auth. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You can't do that, although I kind of held off doing it because it defeated the point for me. Yeah, I guess. You, I mean, yeah. You can't say that's like watching your, yeah, your, true. Yeah, your, your clipboard, but... And it does the same with, I believe it does the same in iOS. So if you select it, it'll put it on your clipboard and then you can paste it there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard because like passwords is going to be something you know, whereas this two-factor auth is going to be something you have. And then, well, yeah, if, if you can steal with something I have, then you have both. So while yeah. that's just as bad as your phone, with your, whereas it is your, des- uh, your desktop or your laptop. So why don't we... But why do we still have the push for phones being the two-factor like device rather than the laptop? Um, yeah, and it is a bit of a pain, right? You know, even because I'm lazy, I'm in the, my phone is in a different room, and I need to log into something, and like, oh, well, I guess I can't do that task then <laughs> <laughs> because I'm not getting up. <laughs> Relevant to both LastPass and and one password, I tried Firefox Quantum. Oh yeah, um, because I'm getting pissed off at Chrome and how slow it is. So I tried it out, but on OS X. The LastPass extension doesn't exist for Chrome, so I can't use it there. On iOS, I decided to switch to Firefox on iOS as well, see what it was like. But I think they have Firefox. Yeah, the share sheet thing for password managers in general, I think, is broken in iOS 11. Yeah, because it's not there in Firefox, and I found a GitHub issue on it and stuff. Right. Um, but yeah, that's fun. <laughs> so yeah, sucks. So what's Firefox Quantum? I think it's a um, new version of Firefox. They implemented the CSS engine in Rust, um, which allowed them to oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, well. parallelize a lot of things. Um, and yeah, it makes it faster. Essentially using the GPU, GPU when they weren't doing so before. Oh, really? I guess what I understand. Cool. Um, that is quite nice. So is this like a proper release version or is it still like beta? November, I think, it comes out. Yeah, I don't know exactly when it comes out. It's definitely beta right now. Um, I quite like the fact because um, they bought um, out Pocket and Pocket is integrated. Obviously, I, I use Chrome and I've got the Pocket extension, so you know that works flawlessly. Mm-hmm. But nice that that service, which I value so much, and I think there's that area of the web is so underutilized in terms of not being completely distracted and actually just you know, logging things to read later was incredibly important of like the learning process and just getting stuff done. Yeah. So I hope more, more people use that. I'm definitely a top tier user in, in Pocket. I use Pinboard. Is that the same idea? Oh. Uh, kind of. Um, yeah. It doesn't do the, or maybe the paid version does. Oh, this all paid version. Maybe. Yeah, same page. I don't think it does the offline stuff that Pocket does. Oh yeah, I already yeah. that. I've used Pocket for a while, but yeah, kind of just like collecting links, really. Yeah, I do. I do pay for Pocket. There's not 
I don't really use the like paid features too much. I think it's like more advanced search, and um, they do the, the they will store it. So even if the website disappears, you can still read it. Right, you know, can be quite useful. But I definitely like, the offline stuff is amazing. But that's part of the free free plan. So yeah. just you add the link, and you've always like you can be traveling, not have to like download the page. Which I'm still you know. I might be head of a tech agency, but I'm still pay to go just because it's so so cheap. I'm normally on on Wi-Fi, so I end up only paying like what five pound a month in, in the end for pay to go. So I just like add all the articles and just read whatever is in there when I'm out and about. Mm-hmm. That's, that's cool. So have you got a peer? Uh, yeah, I yeah I did basically. Um, <laughs> so go, go through that's interesting. Go through the thought process. Like tell us about how you found it. What made you decide that this right, is... wanted servants. <laughs> <laughs> and this was the first way he could. Uh, yes, yeah, step one to get a lot of certainty. I'm just trying to become a god. <laughs> so I guess it's something I've been thinking about for quite a while. Um, and that makes it okay. And I guess it's just been on my to do list, and I was just like, okay, well, no, no, yeah, if I can do it. A PA to do that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so yeah, this is basically just an experiment, like for a few months, uh, just to sort of see. How it goes, I think. Um, so is it like a virtual assistant? Yeah. So she she actually lives in London. So okay. she's. Um, how do you know she's not a bot? I spoke well unless they've got really good voice uh, technology now. I spoke to her. Um, <laughs> How did you find her? Uh, there's a website. I think it's like People Per Now or something. Okay. And she was like the top rated one there. So um, I basically was like, just messaged her, just said like, sort of looking for. PA sort of describes sort of things I'd be just sort of looking for, but then I was also like, I'm sort of open because it's such an unknown sort of territory for me. And I think for most people as well, they the sort of the initial thought is like, why? Um, yeah, I think most people would wonder or just like they have so much fear of spending money and wasting money. How do I decide? Um, you know, why, why would I spend that money on someone else doing a task when I can do them myself? But the exactly. better way to think about it is, you know, working out from what I understand is working out what your hourly rate is and working out where you can bring value. And if there are tasks that you can delegate that are, you know, in general, you can get someone else to do for less than your average, um, hourly rate, then that makes sense. So I, I can see, see the logic. Yeah. So yeah, even, even coming from that perspective which I understand it can still be difficult to you know actually then experiment with it so was there a, did you go through the same thing and then you create a list of tasks that you knew that if you offloaded those you'd have more time for either work or you know free time which you kind of assign the same value to yeah so for me one of the big sort of time investments being freelancers sort of like onboarding clients qualifying clients things like that yeah so there's always like this sort of flow that I always thought would be quite because it's very how I sort of do that is quite stage like it's quite regimented they will seem to sort of go through the same thing sometimes as edge cases but this is like something you could sort of like <laughs> give to someone else to sort of basically do but yeah like so years ago back when I was contracting at Fitstar Dave who was the uh, founder of Fitstar I do remember having a conversation with him I think I asked him like because he had a PA and I was like why do you have a PA and he was like well it's basically one of those things I never thought I needed until I had it and then it, it basically changed how I sort of view things Okay. Um, in terms of like work and sort of tasks and things like that and he was like recommended to get one when he had, had this company so um, so yeah so it's basically been something I've been thinking about for a while and like right now I'm like or last few months or whatever and into end of the year potentially more like just like super busy and yeah like there's always other there's lots of other things that sort so of just, so she gets kind of 
do you forward emails like the leads for your for your business and forward them to her and she just knows what to do with them she's got a set you know a, a document of these are the questions to ask yeah. these are things to and you do that rather than get the client to fill in a questionnaire just because it's more personable um mixture both so so officially she she probably starts next week so i basically been building a lot of like so we're using Basecamp and I've got like a lot of documents and they're sort of like documenting everything that I sort of do. Yeah. Um, which actually when you start to write it down is actually a lot of stuff. I never realised, well, yeah, when I've now got five documents of like stuff that is like sort of in my head of like processes that I do and like yeah. I do all the time, you don't actually realise how much that actually is. So yeah, so basically you sort of like document all the stuff down. And then she's also asked me to, just in my normal work day or whatever, take note of anything that I do that I don't that isn't work so I guess for me what work is is like actually like sort of programming or working on a project for clients that's a bit of all that's work there so anything that is like not that I they see like note it down which could be like lots of tiny things even just like booking a vet appointment or something yeah I've definitely felt like that this week when I've been having to book travel and I feel like I really should be uploading this style yes like yeah and um, so those things are like perfect examples and where your first thought is like, well, yeah, but seeing like 10 minutes, 20 minutes or whatever, just, I'll just do it myself. But that stuff still adds up, still like distracts and it's still always sort of in your mind as well. So, so yeah, so it's like, like I say, it's a bit of an experiment. So I'm sort of like just taking note of everything and I'm trying to just like, whenever there's something that I think I sort of need to do, I now obviously we have, because we use basically like I said, we just put it in as a to-do list. And yeah, I guess it's a bit like, because, like, the lady, like, sort of, she's, like, learning how, like, sort of, like, business works and things like that. So, at first, it is quite a bit of, like, time-consuming in terms of, like, the amount of information I'm putting yeah. in. Um, but once that stuff is actually in in a document, it's always there. And so, eventually, like, she'll be able to take a lot more. Yeah. So, what I've heard about virtual assistants is a lot of time up front, but then you're going to get the yeah. benefits long-term. So, is she just kind of looking for notifications and she got a kind of... If she's working like, sort of by the hour and you've got no minimum commitment, does Correct, there, yeah. she just look for emails and she's got an agreed sort of response rate? She might be busy with other people as well. How does, how does that work? Yeah, so we don't really talk about the response rate because for me it's not really that urgent. Mm. Um, I guess things that are sort of urgent, I will sort of flag with her and be like, yeah. can you, you sort of do this today or whatever? But most of my stuff is quite like, it can wait a day or two, like it doesn't incredibly yeah. matter too much. Um, so yeah, so basically I set her up a PA at Red Dot 2 email address or something. And um, yeah, so things go in there and she sort of uses that and she's on Basecamp, which also hooks into that. Um, we then also have a Trello, which is what I use for, for my potential clients and stuff and my current clients. So there's a column for each stage of the onboarding process. Okay. Client, um, which goes from like first contact to then like qualification. Which is like her sort of, I've got like a list of questions that she sort of asks, like the obvious one being budget and like when they want it done by. And what is the range of like the cost of PAs? I literally took the most top rated person on, on this website. Um, but then just like scrolling down, it did seem to like go from like 15 to about 25, maybe 30 quid okay. an hour. The thing with this website was, and with Alison, PA, which is great, is there's no minimum. And so a lot of them do have a minimum, like 10 hours a month or something. Okay. And that could be like, for me, I think when I have looked at this before, that was like the value of like, actually, don't know if I want to like, when you try to think, oh, 
what could they do in 10? Like, that's quite a lot yeah. of time. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure, like, eventually we'll actually realise that actually maybe that's not that much time. Yeah, it's a scaling. Like, I'm sure once you get to know them, you'll be kind of gradually throwing more, more tasks their way, realise the exactly, capabilities yeah. and how much they can help you. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, starting off at, what, £300 a month is a big commitment yeah. when you've just got no idea of the process. So, exactly, yeah. yeah. Does she help you a lot in terms of training a PA because you're very much coming into this without any knowledge of the, the, the kind of handover delegation process and yeah. you know you, yeah. you've done that you've gone you've clearly gone through the documentation um is that yeah. something that she helped you do yes yeah and like her task was also like the sort of like writing things down that aren't isn't like work to you as well um which are these like just ideas of like things that you can like pass on to her um, yeah. because yeah like it's a bit, I guess it's a bit like when you, you run a company as well and you hire staff, like, at the start, you've, you don't, like, delegate this very, very, very well. And really, you're hiring these people and they can sort of do that. Um, yeah. And you don't, yeah, those sort of things that you don't Knowing what do. the capabilities are and you just, it's a kind of mutual negotiation. Exactly. Like, you know, could you do this? Could you do that? Yeah. Awesome. And, like, at the start, maybe, the, yeah, there is definitely some, like, it takes a bit more time investment. Okay, this is how we sort of do this. Uh, but then once they've sort of been taught, then they know and they don't have to be yeah. sort of... Does this particular person, because she's talking with, with potential clients, I assume she's not going into requirements and things, but does she have a little bit of technology or is it very much she's just following a, a script when it comes to talking to people? Um, mostly, I think it's a mixture. Like, she seems, when I spoke to her, she seemed to like, quite understand her. Like, I was like, what services do you use? And she's talking about, like, Trello and something, like, a bunch yeah. of sort of things. Um and she's like worked for a bunch of like companies and tech companies as well. I can't remember which. They were like companies I recognised their names of like in, in London. So she has worked in, in sort of tech companies as well. But then onboarding clients isn't like, it's mostly just like figuring, there's not really anything technical in terms of, it's mostly just like sort of figuring out. Like the biggest one is always just budget. Like yeah. you get people like, yeah, I've got like 200 quid. Yeah, it's not but it has to be a conversation that's discussed because you know, yeah. it's not going to work for anyone if you don't, you're not on the same page with that. Exactly, yeah. And then also, like, just sort of seeing if it will fit into my calendar as well because a lot of people want things done yesterday and, like, I, I can't, I'm currently on a project. Can't work yesterday. Yeah. You don't know how time works. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, currently on a project, don't finish until next month, so... Either are you open to like starting then or, or yeah, I brought double rates for yesterday's. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd be interested to see how it would. How it, um, how yeah, it would. I think it's definitely a weakness of, of on my part, and um, we have people within Mingbi that like have like some spare times and like project managers now and again, like they do, they're uh, for the most part a bit more responsive um, yeah. and reactive to work. So there is an opportunity that I don't feel like particularly happy about just off offloading some of my more menial tasks to them. So maybe a, a virtual assistant is is more appropriate. I think it's just getting used to it. Um, yeah, I think that's why I'm sort of giving myself like a few months to sort of see well. how it goes and then sort of judge from them. Like if I don't feel like it's made much of an impact, then I guess it doesn't make much more sense to continue. But yeah, yeah. normally when people I've worked with who have one they say they're going to sort of go back. So it's quite a big like, yeah. thing to say. So I'm interested to see how much of the personal tasks she'll do in terms of not the business stuff, but yeah. the 
organizing that appointments and whatever. Yes, as long as you're happy to pay her hourly rate. Like, yeah. assume like there, I don't know if there are restrictions in terms of the tasks. <coughs> well, what I remember was how much you would actually use that. Oh yeah, like, yeah. And how? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, do my online shopping, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, again, this is that delegation of things that you don't enjoy. I mean, this isn't so much tech, but um, the things around the house, though, there's some people will do DIY because they enjoy it and they get to kind of save some money. It means they can get some things done that they wouldn't necessarily have otherwise been able yeah. to do. Other um, people like you and I definitely won't. Yeah, because it will be more expensive because I'll fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Red, I know, like, I think Nick as well, like you both had kind of cleaners in the past because mm-hmm. those are tasks that you don't enjoy and it's worth for your well-being to pay someone else to, to do it. And I think, think that's the trade-off. Like I, I know that we're fortunate enough that we can pay people like to do things because other people don't have enough spare cash like yeah. in order to be able to and that they're earning the same rate as it is for that person. So whereas us, it makes sense because we're fortunate enough to be earning a larger hourly rate that yeah. we can pay someone else to do those tasks. So oh, yeah, I mean, definitely grateful for like being having the opportunity, but there's also, you know, if we want to maximise what we do have, then it's a case of yeah. sharing that around. So paying, 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 paying uh, other services uh, or labourers to, to do work, to yeah. do work for us. I think um, Cliff mentioned there was an article in I don't know, Times or something. And I think the major like point was people are the key to happiness is like <laughs> key to happiness, but like buying your own time is like a major part in like sort of so that's why you like get a cleaner yeah um, yeah time's to, like, more valuable than they go up like an hour or whatever a week and um, like a PA yeah. or something like that like and so like the the best way to improve your life is not that people t- typically will think they want to make themselves happier by you know, doing stuff or buying stuff but actually the best way to improve your life in terms of the decision you make is to remove things that are like make you unhappy hmm. and things that you don't enjoy so mm-hmm. because we've all we've all got something that we don't enjoy that we do yeah. um and if we could like if we have we're fortunate enough to have the money to pay someone else to do it then there's a lot of value to be had there because yes there might be 30 it might be 60 pounds but you know having someone clean your house for, for a week um, means that you can go and enjoy life and that is important to you. Yeah, I think when you, yeah, if you put it in terms of like, it's just money and like, we are in a very fortunate position where yeah, our jobs kind of reduce quite a bit of it and so like, why not, like, it's worth it. Like, yeah, and share the love. Yeah, <laughs> share, share, help, help the economy. Yeah. I, I love cleaning. It's one of the things where I, there is a certain level of uh you know, waking up on the weekend and going, oh, I've got to clean the bathroom. But, you know, I actually quite enjoy the process of, and I'm more of a deep cleaner than Mama Sherry. She, she, she will clean more often, but when I do it, it's done. Like, what <laughs> the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> I do like oh a good bit God. of descaling, but I could spend it. Put the music on, give it a good scrub, and I, I just sat that. Put the old marigolds on. <laughs> I just enjoy it. I just enjoy it. And, I get, and that's, that's the sort of thing I won't offload because I mean, there is a, the stress of having to do it, but I, I feel good for doing it. And it's the. So, you'll laugh, but it's the same feeling I get when I build something and I release something. Like you, you feel the the worth from creating something. I feel the worth walking around a house that is now clean because, and maybe that's just because of the lack of walking around the house and going, oh my God, it's horrible in here. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Well, fine. Fair enough. Now you've learned something about me, guys. Whatever floats your boat. They told me to come around and clean my bath. Yeah, my, <laughs> uh, my hourly rate is not going to be the cheapest. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Uh, another topic is related to 
getting things advice. done. Think, getting things done in the day. Um, I was reading recently about how sleep deprived uh, Western society and, uh, is. And I think it was a Guardian article. I can't quite remember, but how essentially Western society is chronically sleep deprived, and how the obviously we probably heard the kind of old old story about you know, the light bulb and staying up too too late. But it's you know, that sort of thing where. Uh, we've got screens late into the night, first thing in the morning, um, and that blue light isn't like doing us any good. And yeah, essentially, we're, because we're working so hard, um, no, none of us are getting enough sleep. And this was, I think it was, it talks about the people that recently uh, won the Nobel Prize for uh, discovering that essentially there is a gene for um, that is part of every cell and every cell type gene that controls your circadian rhythm and the kind of the, the rhythm of everything um, so that it's not just a master body clock and it's actually why jet lag feels so bad is because of the difference between the master body clock and in like every cell type it also has an understanding of whether or not like it's day or night yeah. um, and that's why we feel so crap, crap through jet lag because those two are off from each other if they were the same amount off it wouldn't be a problem but um, the fact they're so different so it's, it's yeah, very, very interesting that our body on a cellular level kind of knows whether or not, like in general, like night or day, the two kind of periods. Uh, and yeah, and how much we're kind of messing that up with not getting enough sleep. And uh, certainly in our industry, in tech, and just working so many hours a day with startups, it's not certainly not a good culture. Um, I'd like to think I'm not going to completely succumbed, succumb to it. But interesting to know that it's so so important to us and is the core of us and I know, know Nate you're one to want to get the, your beauty sleep I do like to sleep how many hours do you need? I find I actually need around eight I, I know people like you know certainly there's plenty of people who will say they'll do six or seven but I've, I'm comfortable with the fact that I actually need eight to do a lot during the day yeah I think I'm about there although I regularly have like six during the week at least is that because you kind of stay up late, or do you yeah, get up early? Yeah, it's usually Rocket League and Destiny, unfortunately. <laughs> but like, it is a thing where you just you value your. I don't have enough free time. As ridiculous as it, as it sounds, like yeah, yeah, do, to do my work. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I feel like I need more free time than I guess I have. But yeah, I just I enjoy playing games. You know, it's all about outsourcing your job to to try and everyone. <laughs> I have many times, but I'm not sure the boss would be good with it. <laughs> Uh, I did some pretty strong mods. <laughs> yeah, everyone heard that. that <laughs> the other boss. Episode two, four points in. The, the, boss. the equal shareholder, but decision maker. Yeah, I don't really get affected by the whole blue light thing, though. I don't think. Like, so I can assume I did. It's the pillow I'm gone. Uh, I'm very fortunate in that as well. I am. Yeah, within two yeah, minutes. I've seen this kid on trains, mate. Yeah. You, you, sit, you sit next to Tom on the train. You, you, you just be talking to him and not realising he's actually asleep. Yeah, yeah it just. Yeah. I mean, Nick is in conversation. You know, it's not. It's not all that. Such a dullard. <laughs> what about you, Red? How much do you sleep? I think it switches like between seven and eight hours. Yeah. Sort of. Has the dog been getting you up earlier? Yes. So now she's, I guess, slightly older. I guess it's like slightly older. Coming one, one to like one, but she's like doesn't like wake up in the night and well, like she can sleep through the whole thing. So whereas you're now starting to not sleep through the night and yeah, so it's now me more waking her up. Um, rather than the other way around but um, yeah I think if I get seven then I feel a lot more like come Friday yeah but yeah I think it's also about what you do like last thing at night first thing in the morning is whether or not you're literally can 
doing something for work or doing a side project and then you're going straight to bed yeah. or whether or not you're actually taking a couple of hours and certainly that's the process that I've kind of tried to get into as well when I've been doing side projects is and even just the trying to do some reading before bed just because I know that like well that makes that means it takes me even less time to fall asleep but <laughs> um, uh, yeah making sure like the last like half an hour is you know, no screens or um, and certainly using a, a physical Kindle rather than the Kindle app like I find better for that just for not having the backlit display um, it's quite nice mm-hmm. um, but yeah certainly just not thinking productively um, and I've had to, I've even had to swap out books so reading fiction books rather than non-fiction because it's just not the right time to be thinking about like, you know, reading like business books yes. or reading money yeah. books or, you know, it's not the time to be thinking and getting ideas and inspiration for for, for work and it's about the time just to kind of go and get into a story and that's ever, ever since I'm a kid I, I was a kid I've always fallen asleep with the TV on and I still do it now only yeah. on an iPhone yeah <laughs> but you can't sell a sleep timer on an iPhone that's the problem <laughs> There you go, there you go, Red. You still watch cartoons as well. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Not like Pokemon. <laughs> DJ Mon. <laughs> like Bojack Horseman, amazing cartoon. Archer, amazing cartoon. F is for Family, amazing. South Park, Bob's Burgers, Bob's Back, I've seen. They're all good. Come around to the idea now, are we? They're all good cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember waking up as a teenager to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, fuck. Wow. <laughs> really, at like 3 a.m. Yeah. and I was terrified. No, yeah, we're still about to sleep on that one. Forgot to set my sleep timer. <laughs> there you go. Oh. Yeah. You should email Netflix and ask them to add it. What I really want is, an, is the Netflix app to look at your face and tell when your eyes are closed. No, oh, there we go. Yeah. That would be amazing. And then just go, are you still awake? You know the way people after you've watched, like, binge watch six yeah. episodes of The Office. Yeah. When yeah. that when that alert appears, you're like, oh. Right. I, had that, I had that with Destiny, but it was my TV. Yeah. <laughs> I had it twice. <laughs> it tells me that it's going to turn off in five minutes. It's like, no! <laughs> it's like, I've been playing this too long if my TV's telling me, asking me if I'm still awake. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, another topic that I thought was interesting, it's one that kind of routinely comes around, but the idea of kind of lab-based meat, I know this is um, a bit of a, a curveball, um, <laughs> it's certainly something I thought about, and I just can't, I, I haven't been able to give up bacon essentially, but I do understand how twisted our like livestock and food industry has become and how successful um, as a species animal, uh, uh, cows and chickens and pigs are, um, and just kind of the amount of space and carbon dioxide it's definition of successful isn't it <laughs> well yeah but they like in terms of the amount of species are on uh, have been on the planet and uh, you know those three have done phenomenally well in terms of uh, how many exist but they're also the amount of the you know how we the treat two, the two of us not great <laughs> not, not just how we treat them they're high-fiving each other <laughs> yeah dominant species <laughs> we are so good right now <laughs> but there yeah that doesn't seem it's kind of one of the things that when you look back on things from previous centuries and how kind of not necessarily barbaric but just how old school it was it seems and how it just is bizarre and whether or not you know the, the amount of, kind of uh, animals that we get through the way we um, treat them the way you know we mass produce them like hidden behind doors that most people don't see is is that kind of the right way or whether or not you know in the future that will seem so like an old fashioned and the better way is if we can grow it and it produces the same stuff is that not like better or will that kind of answer some of the questions for for society as a whole would you eat a bolognese made of beef that was made on a petri dish yeah yeah me too I think I've got no problem with it but do you think if we can 
get to a point where we grow meat, let's say, grow cow meat, yeah? Then... It's got beef. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we get to a point where we grow beef, yeah. Then what's the point of cows? And also, let's say, imagine we also make milk as well, like grow milk. Or oat milk, maybe we want to go into that. Do you think they'll uh, disappear? Well, that's because of any other species, but then maybe they'll just return to a more kind of natural. They just they maybe, just they, maybe they start growing really sharp teeth and start eating <laughs> humans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Get their own back. The craving yeah. they'll we realize it's their natural progression, but we've just been holding them back all this time. Yeah, I think they'll still obviously be an industry for for, for beef. I almost called it cow meat, but <laughs> I think they'll still be an industry for that. But I think it'll be more like fine dining and yeah, you know, like. Or would you want to go to the beef restaurant plan where you can have real beef? <laughs> but yeah, then it's like then the question is, okay, so if you grow on a on a petri dish, is it chicken, pork, or beef? And like, do you invent a new kind of meat? You yeah, know, I guess it. Do means... you just make it taste like cow? I want yeah. my I want my chicken to taste like pig. That's that's what I want. <laughs> yeah, and I wonder if there's new like yeah. flavors. It's kind of where science goes is it, it works out what the gaps are in terms of what's physically possible, and then yeah, yeah then you make your baked beans taste like taste like bacon again because that's yeah. what everyone wants. So Pringles every flavor you want. That's a wrap. That's episode two done. Thanks very much for listening. We'd love to hear your feedback. My name on Twitter is Bobby Shaw. Nick's is NickJ89 and Red is Red Davis. Until next week, thanks very much.